Welcome to Tea for Lunch, a weekly show powered by Arcade Studios. Each week, we'll serve you the top stories we're following in social media, entertainment, celebrity, and tech in 15 minutes or less. You can catch the show live on Instagram Thursdays at about 12 p.m. Mountain Time or on all podcast providers and YouTube on Fridays. We're your hosts this week. Morgan. And Harry. (laughs) And this week, if you're on TikTok, this is our first time going live on TikTok. We're testing this out this week to see how it goes, but we're usually over here on Instagram. We'll still be here. We just might be on both. So yeah, getting the people what they want. (laughs) How have Um, you been? Good. Yeah. Excited that spring is kind of around the corner. It's getting so sunny. Yeah. We're a little bit chaotic right now because Harrison and I are usually both behind the phone right now, yeah. um, running production behind the scenes. And we both have jumped in today. So we've got a soundboard right beside us. We've got like multiple computers around <laughs> All us. Things, got the There's safety a lot. headphones. We've like. got multiple <laughs> ring lights. So hopefully yeah. we look glowing. Hey, it's, it's the, the, it's the producer special. It's today. the producer yeah. special. We've got some fun stories. So let's just jump right in. Totally. Uh, first up, Spotify has been making some major updates lately to fall more in line with popular apps like TikTok. So Spotify has debuted a TikTok-style music discovery feed that allows you to swipe through different music, podcasts, and audiobooks to see what catches your attention. Uh, you can preview up to five songs from an album without having to click into the album. Um, and you can also see previews of podcasts in real time um, or with real time uh, transcriptions or video clips when available. You can also listen to from like where you left off instead of starting from the beginning, which is, I think, a pretty solid feature. I really like that. Um, you can also choose to scroll through the new feed uh, muted. So without <laughs> being bombarded by a hundred of snippets of, of, of sounds, the feature is still pretty new and not part of Spotify's key navigation yet. Uh, and you know, there also raises some questions about getting onto the discovery feed, uh, that musicians have kind of expressed concern over regarding the current need to surrender additional streaming income to be featured. What do you think about that? (laughs) Okay. Well, I have mixed opinions since we've chatted about it more to me. I used to run a music blog and we would feature a lot of like Canadian underground musicians. And I found it was just so hard to get people to listen to something that was like a little outside of their comfort zone, or it's a musician that they hadn't heard the name of before. So my initial thought was I'd been waiting for something like this, where it was like, given to you, delivered to you so that you're not having to go and like Google who's who and what sounds like what and do all that. But I don't like hearing that this could come at like a pay cut for musicians. Yeah. I don't know. I guess kind of my thought process behind it is we already use TikTok in so many different ways. Like sometimes it's to look at memes. Other times it's like to discover new music. Like if we're vibing with someone's like sound on their video or something and like Spotify pivoting to kind of meet that need and being like, well, we offer sound like we might as well use this kind of scroll platform. Um, I think it's great. It's, it's the first streaming platform to do it. Uh, but you know, I, I, I think it does kind of like fall short of spectacular when it comes to the fact that Spotify doesn't already pay artists super well and that an additional pay cut comes at the expense of, or like the expense of stream income comes with exposure. And I just think that unfortunately the, the industry operates like that. Um, so kind you're kind of, of in a hinting few areas. So it's like yeah. you're hinting around sort of the pay cut. Do you have actual information on that? Well, yeah. So I was reading a blog post of someone who works quite closely with a few record labels. Um, and they were talking about how it's like 
an extra 40 cents off of what you're already getting paid. Um, like per download per, per like listen stream. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but again, a lot of it is speculation because Spotify hasn't rolled out a lot of like the specific details. Um, but I think it's, it's just, new, um, but it could set a weird strange. precedent, totally. I think is kind of the concern. Totally. And it was nice to see, I think YouTube shorts giving, like they were pulling music directly from artists who've uploaded on there. So when you're on mm. the YouTube shorts, if you click onto the song, it doesn't take you to who like originally uploaded it on like TikTok, where it could be kind of anyone. It takes you to that musician's page and like plays from their YouTube account so that they can get like that AdSense money. And I kind of feel like we were kind of taking a step in the right direction. And this feels like we're now kind of in an in-between. So hopefully this is a natural move to pay more and like maybe more people will use it. Totally. But I can see the concern for sure. And I think there are like possible benefits to, you know, that, that platform as well. Like what if it does the same thing that TikTok does and like, you know, someone's algorithm is just like really in tune and, and they just get a bunch of new listeners and they get a bunch of opportunities from it. Like that's probably Spotify's intention. Like, I don't think it's ill intended, but it, it unfortunately has to kind of come at a cost. So yeah. And it shouldn't, it should just be, if you're doing a discovery feature and it's going to be based off people's listening preferences and algorithm, like I don't want to feel like me using that feature is going to cost an artist um, especially for me to discover like smaller names and people who are new, like that's what I want to hear. And that's what I would want this feature for. So Spotify, let's get that together. Let's keep being ethical sort with our payments, <laughs> but I do like the feature. I think it's interesting, um, interesting for podcasts as well. Cause I think that's mm-hmm. another one where it's like an effort to listen to something new. So I like getting a little clip and then being able to jump into the show from what made you interested. So totally into it. Okay. Next story, this is where we're going to put our news hats on. Maybe we can get that in the edit. (laughs) Things are escalating in the U.S.'s threat to ban TikTok. So this is developing news right now. I'm going to let you know what we know and where we're at so far and a little bit of background, and then we'll kind of chat through, but this is going to develop throughout today. So the most recent update is that the U.S. has been threatening to ban the app if TikTok's Chinese owners don't sell their stakes. Amid concerns around data privacy, ByteDance continues to reject spy allegations. They've been continuing to say that they're investing a ton of money. I think they invested $1.5 billion on rigorous data security efforts, but that's not enough for the states. They're really wanting it to be a U.S.-owned company. There was a valuation for the company at something like $50 billion. That's an estimate for what it would be valued. And there's really only three U.S. companies that could afford it, which are Meta, Google, or Microsoft. Um, so right now, TikTok's CEO is testifying before the House Energy and Commerce Committee. I totally know what all those things are <laughs> to answer questions from U.S. lawmakers. And it, there's an up, like updates happening all throughout today, but there's been some interesting quotes so far. I think we were both kind of interested in these. So they're quite poetic. They are quite poetic. <laughs> so the first one is by Anthony Blinken. He's the Secretary of State, and he said. TikTok should be ended one way or another, and there are different ways of doing that. It's like it throwback to to Google talking about their layoffs and being like there are going to be blood on the streets. It's like the language, the language that you use, especially in like a hearing like this. It's like don't sound threatening because like people, yeah, <laughs> take that's that very different ways. Like that's just like, what and do you mean different ways of ending TikTok? Like. <laughs> 
Yeah. And it just, it sounds like there's obviously, we know there's like a goal here to take it offline or to get it US owned. Um, The TikTok CEO highlighted that the app doesn't do political ads. I think that's like a major concern around the data privacy. And then are they going to use that to influence politics? Um, But he noted that like no other platform can say that. I thought that was interesting. I kind of, I I didn't really think about that, but I think it's important that TikTok doesn't do political ads. Like I think yeah. it's it's an app that's very much like, you know, people oriented and not yeah. like getting the same advertisements that we get on like TV or like a lot of other platforms. And it's so customized to you that mm. if you were to get ads, they would obviously be completely algorithm fed and not at all like done in a democratic and kind of fair way. So I do think that that's good that they're avoiding that. And I imagine that's something that would continue. This is the one that I think we both thought was quite poetic. Representative Cardenas said, you remind me a lot of Mark Zuckerberg, a good dancer with words. That sounds like a line from like a Swayze movie or something. Yeah, like this isn't real. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and then another person in this uh, hearing said that a TikTok ban would be huge for Snapchat. Throwing back to the fact that this company is potentially valued at 50 billion US dollars, um, Snapchat wouldn't be able to afford that with their current valuation, but interesting that that's kind of what's being considered. So. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts overall on a ban? And um, I don't. I I think it's like it's. I don't know. The way I see it is just like it's not that serious. Like it's it's a fun app. Like yeah. people like it. It's giving a lot of people a platform to you know turn being a creator into a job. Like you know it's a it's got a really solid community. Yeah. Uh, I think the U.S. is threatened by it for the wrong reasons and. In my opinion, I don't really know if they're like being super upfront with what those reasons are, but I can kind of read between the lines a little bit. And it just, um, I I don't, I don't think banning a social media app is like, it's, I don't know. It's not the way. No. And especially I I was seeing some articles talking too about how this would just further draw a line between like young people in the States and like politicians, because obviously this is an app that people really love to use. And if it's getting banned and they kind of had no say in it, then that's, that's sucks and it's going to take away a lot of people's livelihood. So totally. my hope is that it doesn't happen. If they do end up having to come to some sort of like deal to buy it in the States, I just hope that that doesn't change the way the app is too much. Cause I think we all really like the app. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we'll just continue to watch this story today as it develops. Totally. Okay. We've got one more story. This one's a little lighter. <laughs> so for our last story, um, we definitely have to talk about the major impact of the Cortez uh, Nike release that yes. happened. This was wild. So Cortez, a streetwear brand from London, teamed up with Nike to release a pair of uh, collaborated Air Max 95s. Clearly, the city was mistaken into thinking that Cortez wouldn't impact the New York streetwear community in the same way it does in London. Because the shoe was uh, dropped essentially via coordinates posted by Cortez, directing thousands of New Yorkers to a local bodega. And inside is where you could buy the shoe. Uh, After that, the hysteria kind of erupted with people running around and blocking traffic while seeking the next drop location. And I think what made this drop so special was like the IRL element of it, you know, like it kind of turned into like this, like geomapping scavenger hunt kind of thing. And like, I think, I don't know, it it really highlighted like a a cool use of using social media to, to make buying sneakers fun again. I feel like we kind of like lost that with the stock X and the grail 
drops where everything's just on your phone. Like it, it brought it back to real so life. So true. You know? I didn't even think about it that way. I was just thinking this would really bring my orienteering skills from elementary school into, <laughs> <laughs> into the, the, the world. Hmm. Um, but yes, there was also like a whole video posted. They did a drop in London before the New York drop as well. And we just thought the video was so, it was done so well, it perfectly speaks to the target market here. And something we were really liking that London does is have these like niche people in the videos. It's kind of like an, if you know, you know, totally moments. So yeah. it's, I totally recommend going and watching that. I think from a marketing standpoint, it's really interesting, but just from like an exciting standpoint for something from a brand, it's, it's nice. And it's so fast paced, right? Like one, one thing that I do love about sneaker culture I think is it still has this really fun and vibrant and like youthful feeling to the marketing surrounding the shoe itself. And, you know, like when you watch this ad, you'll, you'll see what I mean. It's just like, it's so fast paced. It's so fun. There's so much like tongue in cheek humor. Yeah. uh, And it's just, it's really well done. And I think that like makes not only the shoe itself more desirable, but just to like see a brand like Nike, having fun with like these streetwear brands and like just kind of, yeah. I, I love, I love when a company takes itself less seriously is essentially what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. And there's like the shoes cool too. So mm-hmm. like they did it all right. The marketing was great. The advertising was great. It kind of gives me like Pokemon go vibes. <laughs> like everyone was out doing yeah. this like collective mission together. We need that back. And I think that that's something that like younger generations are going to want growing up on social media and with like screens in your face everywhere for people who are a little bit older, it's still kind of novel or it's like something that we didn't have our whole life. But if every kind of shoe drop you've ever had is just like on your phone or you're just like getting tickets on your phone and you're never doing that experience of like having to go in the real world to like hunt it down. I think that's so fun to bring that back. Yeah. It's like online shopping is convenient, but it's kind of devoid of any like experience. Yeah. It's really just like, take my money. Okay. I'm good. But I would much rather go do something like this. I would love to run around the streets of New York for a (laughs) pair of sneakers. That's like my perfect idea. A thousand of my friends going to the bodega. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I'm into it. Okay. Well, I'd love to hear what everyone thinks. If you have thoughts on any of these stories, let us know. YouTube's probably the best place to drop some comments and otherwise we'll be back again next week. So now that we've wet your palate, go eat something more substantial. Cheers. Cheers, Harrison. Thanks for joining us. (laughs)